Good day to you fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. Praise God. God bless you, Central, this morning. Amen. How many enjoyed an extra hour of sleep last night? Praise God. We had a debate at, at, at Domino's Pizza. I, I manage at Domino's Pizza, and we would close at 2 o'clock. So we were like, are we going to close at 2, or is it 2 going to be 1 now? And we're going to have to open another hour, which means people are going to keep ordering pizza. So we were like, you know, we're going to shut it down at 2 o'clock. If they call, we'll just tell them we won't answer the phone or, or something like that. So I was very grateful for an extra hour of sleep this morning. Praise God. Amen. And I want to share a word with you today. Praise the Lord, out of the book of Luke, chapter 22, verse 31. Amen. I have a strong sense in my spirit that this word is going to bless you today. And so I am anxious to get into it this morning. Amen. Uh, Luke, chapter 22, verse 31. I want to tell my oldest daughter, who I don't think is here, it's her birthday today. She is 15. Um, so when she comes back in, oh, there, there, there she is. Jayla, say hi. Happy birthday, Jayla. Ready? Let's sing happy birthday. Ready? One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Jayla. Happy birthday to you. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. There is no doubt that she's my daughter, obviously, when you see her face and mine. Praise God. So it was either be a dad or pay child support. So, you know, so. Praise God. Now, I love my kids. I love being a dad, and the Lord has blessed me. Amen. And uh, I am so blessed to have the kids that I have. So let's preach. Luke, Luke 22, 31 says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you all as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have returned, strengthen your brothers. I want to speak to you this morning a little bit about how Satan attacks. Amen. And there's three things I want to share with you regarding Satan's attacks that I want you to grab a hold of. I want you and your, and your, and your spouse, I want you and your kids, I want you and your, your teenage kids to grab a hold of this and understand the attack and the nature of the attack and the purpose of the attack and the why of the attack. Because many times, if you don't understand the why and the nature of the attacks of the enemy, you end up giving him an advantage. So number one is, Satan needs permission to attack you. Satan needs permission to attack you. He cannot target you. He cannot launch an attack on your life, on anything that is yours. He cannot attack it until he has permission. Now where do I see this? Job chapter 1. Let's go through a few verses. Job chapter 1 verse 1. They'll cue it on the screen. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless. He was upright. 
He feared God. He shunned evil. He had seven sons, three daughters, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 dark donkeys, and a partridge and a pear tree. Amen. He was the greatest man among all the people of the... He was the greatest man. Listen to that. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Now, how they are measuring his wealth and the fact that this particular man, this particular man, Job, is uh, the, he's, his righteousness, his relationship with God is not based on a law as we see later on in this chapter. It tells us that he lived prior, prior to the law of Moses. He lived back in the Abrahamic times. So he establishes a relationship. He establishes a, 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 a walk with God, not having anyone having preached to him, not having visited a, a, a synagogue or, or having gone to a gathering where he heard the word or he was taught the word. So it was a, an instinct. It was a human instinct that took him to wanting to de defer and differentiate between good and evil. And God is saying here that this man was the greatest man. So we go down to verse 6. One day the angels came and presented themselves before the Lord, and Satan was among them. The Lord says to Satan, where do you come from? Satan says, I have roamed throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. So the Lord tells Satan, have you not considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. Can you imagine being someone on earth where there is no one on earth like you? No one on earth like him, blameless, upright, fearful, and he shuns evil. And the devil, and Satan responds, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flock and his herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything that he has and he will surely curse you to your face. So God knows why Satan is coming in, in, to ask to speak to him. And he tells him. I know why you're here. Have you not considered Job? So this means that Satan already had a custom of coming before God to ask God to attack people who feared God. And so this is why we see in the New Testament where it says that we have a, an advocate in Jesus Christ. So the enemy is constantly going before God, accusing you and asking to attack you. And you have an advocate. You have someone standing in the middle. Someone who is determining what can happen to you and what cannot happen to you. Someone who is making the decision for the enemy of whether or not he can attack you. So he needs permission to launch an attack. And the fact that he needs permission to launch the attack should tell you that you are not just anybody. The fact that Satan cannot just come to your door and attack you. He needs permission. It means that you're protected. It means that you're covered. It means that you're secure. It means that God is on your side. Now it's not the same it's not the same for the enemy to have to ask for permission because he needs to ask for permission to attack you, but he does not need to ask for permission to possess you. Now, I don't want you to think because yesterday was Halloween, I'm talking about possession and the exorcism of Emily Rose and the conjuring and Annabelle. And I can't keep going because you're going to be like, oh, Rob just spends his time watching horror flicks. No, I don't. I've seen one or two, but... Uh, or 15 or 20. Um, so why do I say this? Because in Luke 22, verse 3, it says that, and Satan entered Judas. Satan possessed Judas. And he possessed him because there was sin in his life. So sin in your life 
is the, is the ingredient that is going to keep the door open to the devil so that he can manipulate. I want you to think about possessing as manipulation of your mind. Manipulation of your behavior, manipulation of how you live, everything that you feel like, everything that you do is negative, everything that you do is, is destructive, there's no prosperity, there's no peace, there's no love, there's no joy, everything is a mess. It's because there's probably sin in your life that has a door open to the enemy so that he can come and take possession of your life. He does not need to ask for permission to do that. Why? Because if there's sin in your life, sin means separation. Sin means disobedience. There is a disconnect. You are not living as a child of God. That's why the enemy wants you to live according to your flesh. Because you will be uh, more propense, you will be more subject to sin living in your flesh. And where there is sin, there cannot be presence of God. And where there is no presence of God, you, you will see the enemy run rampant. You will see the enemy do and undo everywhere. But when you are protected when you have been redeemed washed by the blood restored that you have your chains have been broken and you are completely free if the sun sets you free then you are free indeed if you have been set free from sin and you're living a life that even though it's not perfect it's in obedience unto God even though you're not a perfect product yet, you're living a life fearful. You're living a life of integrity. You're living a life of testimony. You're living a life that is worthy of God. You're living a life like Job. These are the types of people that the enemy needs to ask permission to attack. Now when he has to ask permission to attack you, God can give him the permission, and one might think, wow, that's, that's pretty, that's not good for me. Because he's given the enemy permission to attack me. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just some human. I, I, I have enough problems in my life. I don't need some Satan attacking me. You know, I have enough issues on my own. I don't need Satan attacking me. So we, we might think of it that way, but I, I want to present it to you another way. Because if he's asking to attack you, it's because he sees you as a threat. And if he sees you as a threat, it's because you're in possession of certain things that make you dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. If he sees you as a threat, it's because you have anointing. Somebody say anointing. If he sees you as a threat, it's because every time you open your mouth and praise God, something starts to shift in your life. Every time you open your mouth to start to worship God, something starts to change. In your, you are a threat to the enemy, not because of what you know, not because of what you can do, but because of who you have inside. You are a threat. You're not some mediocre Christian who just church and goes through the motions. He doesn't care about attacking those people. He cares about using those people so that those people can be a stumbling block for other people. He uses people with a Pharisaic mentality so that they can be a stumbling block for other people. But when you understand that he is asking for permission to attack you because he sees you as a threat, then you have to understand that God is never going to allow you to go through something. He's never going to give you a burden that you cannot bear. He's never going to open the door for the enemy to attack you if he knows that you're not ready for that attack. So you have to understand, I might be under attack by the enemy, but I'm ready. 
The devil wants to tell you you're not ready, but you need to understand you are ready because he had to get God's approval. So if you're standing right in, right in the middle of the battlefield against the enemy and he is attacking you and he is throwing his darts at you and, he's, and, and, it, feels, and it feels intense, you're like, you know what? If I'm in this battle, it's because God has already won the victory for me. The only thing I need to do is believe. He's attacking you because he wants your faith to fail. That's the first thing he's going to go after. He's going after your faith because faith without it, Hebrews eleven six. 6, without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So that means that you need faith to come to God. It's impossible to please God in your living with faith. But it's also impossible to place God without faith. Without faith, you can't place God as your number one focus. Without faith, you cannot put God in the position that he needs to be in so that you can live in victory. Your victory doesn't depend on your knowledge. Your victory doesn't depend on how many days you go to church. Your victory doesn't depend on your service or your ministry. Your victory depends on your intimacy with the Most High God. Your victory depends on your knees. Your victory depends on your heart. Your victory depends on whether or not God is the number one reason for you living. That's what your victory, and that's what faith is. Faith is keeping him number one. Keeping him in front. Keeping him in front. So the devil attacks you, but, but God knows. God knows, and the enemy knows. He even knows that you're covered. He even knows that you have protection. He even knows that... You are not just anybody. He even knows that God has a hedge around you, around your children. Look at what Psalm 91 says. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night. You will not fear the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you because you are protected. You are covered. God is on your side. He's on your side. He's that fourth man in the furnace. He's that fourth man in the furnace, Pastor Benjamin. He's that fourth man that the fire needed to be multiplied. The fire needed to be turned up in your life. Because where it was, it still wasn't enough for God to step in. But once the enemy intensified his attack, then God said, now I need to step in. And he's in it with you. He is in it with you. He is in it with you. He is in it with you. There is nothing you can't do. There is nowhere you can't go. There is no mountain you can't climb. There is no devil that you can't face. There is no sickness that God can't heal. He is in it with you. 
So the devil knows that the only way he can win is through your faith. Because everything that I just said means nothing without faith. Everything I just said means absolutely nothing without faith. It means absolutely nothing without faith. So he tries to attack your faith, which is why Jesus tells Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. He doesn't say, but be strong and courageous. He doesn't give him a, a locker room halftime pep talk. That's why Jesus is Jesus. I would have given him a pep talk. I would have been like, yo, let's just pray together. Yo, you can do it. God is there with you. I would have, you know, tried to uplift him up. But Jesus knows what he's doing. Jesus knows the end from the beginning. Jesus knows the result before the problem even happens. So he already had the solution before the enemy wanted to attack Simon. And the problem is that Peter is just like you and me. Out of all of the disciples, we can relate to Peter more than any other disciple. Unless there's anybody here who can relate to Judas. Okay. But Peter's just like you and me. He wants to be great. He wants to do great things for Christ. He wants to make an impact. He wants to be different. But his faith is up and down. His faith is up and down. He is ambivalent in his faith. He is inconsistent in his faith. And if there's anybody who can see, you can fool a pastor with ambivalent faith, with up and down roller coaster faith. You can fool me, you can fool a leader, but you can't fool the devil. You can't fool the devil. The devil knows who was who. He knows whose faith is too strong to penetrate. So, he, so, so the enemy is seeking out those whose faith is flailing, just like it was with Simon. So, so Jesus understands this because Jesus was with him for three and a half years. And he knew how his faith would be up and down and up and down. And one day you're saying that I'm the Christ and the next day you're denying me. So he knew his faith was up and down. He's just like us. That happens to us. There's nobody here who can say, oh, my, I got superhero faith. I got Iron Man faith or, or Avengers faith. You, your faith is just like Peter's. One day you have faith to walk on the waters. The next day you're hiding in a cave. Because your humanity, you cannot escape it. That's why God is so great. Because he can take an imperfect human like you and I, and he can make us in his image, and he can perfect us, and he can use us, even with our defects, even with our problems, even with our messes. He takes us out of that, in spite of that, and he glorifies his name in our lives. Took a murderer in Paul. He took a murderer in Paul and made him, made Paul the apostle to the Gentiles. An entire group of people who would have never otherwise received the gospel. He did it not through a Pharisee, not through a priest. He did it through a murderer who hated Christianity. Think about that. He did it through a murderer who hated Christianity. That's like God right now transforming Richard Dawkins into a preacher to the level of Billy Graham. So that you can kind of contemporize it. That's like Richard Dawkins getting saved, which is possible. Even though, I don't know, he's on the brink of like unsavable, but we'll see. Which is possible and turning him into a Billy Graham. That's what Paul was. Paul was a Richard Dawkins who got turned into a Billy Graham. So, so the enemy is looking for fail, flailing faith. He's looking for people's inconsistencies in their faith. And then he's asking for permission to come and attack you. And it is that faith that needs to remain strong in order for that attack 
to bless you instead of mess you up. So the first thing is that he needs to ask for permission. And if he asks for permission, it's because you're a threat. And if you're a threat, that should tell you you already have an advantage. You already have an advantage over the enemy. Number two, your weapons are stronger. Your weapons are stronger. When you don't live in the flesh, but you live in the spirit, when you allow yourself to be guided not by your own passions and your own desires and the things that you want to do. When you allow Holy Spirit to guide your life. When every major decision in your life that you have to come to terms with and make in your life, you consult Holy Spirit first. Sometimes you need to tell yourself, you need to look at yourself in the mirror and say, stop. And zip it. Sometimes you need to go in the mirror. And if you're like me, slap yourself a couple times. And say, stop. Because a lot of times there's too much of us. And we're doing so many things. It is possible to be called. You can be called but doing the wrong thing. You can be called but doing the wrong thing. And doing the wrong thing is not God's fault. It's your fault for not waiting. And that's why you're frustrated. That's why there's no growth. That's why there's no advancement. That's why there's no prosperity. Because yes, you're called. Yes, you're anointed. But you didn't look at yourself in the mirror and say, stop. Stop. And that's what living in the spirit will do to you. Living in the spirit will allow you to look in the mirror and say, I shouldn't wear this today. I, I, I should probably give this shirt to someone that it will probably fit better. Living in the spirit is, is, what you, is what allows you to open the door to the entirety of God's word in your life. You want to live God's word? You want to stand on God's word? You cannot do that in the flesh because the word is spiritual. It's applied to the natural, but it is spiritual. You need to live it in the spirit. And when you live in the spirit, you will always have the advantage over the enemy's attacks. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, 4, and 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What's going on in this country? All the violence? All the quote-unquote systemic racism? All of the negativity? All of the abuse? All of the immorality? When we're on the brink of, of, of looking like a Sodom and Gomorrah. The only difference between America and Sodom and Gomorrah is that when Abraham asked him, if you can find any just person in Sodom and Gomorrah, I won't, I won't destroy it. The only difference is that there are just people in America. The only difference is that there's a church washed by the blood of Jesus Christ that is the only hope that America has. America's hope is not in politics. You can't vote on hoping that a, a president fix this nation. That's not what you're voting for. Because there is no man that can fix this nation. There is no politician that can fix this nation. There's no Democrat or Republican that can fix this nation. The only one that can fix this nation is the church of Jesus Christ. Hence, why they want to shut you down. Hence, why they don't want you to gather. Hence, why they want to oppress your religious freedom. And tell you what you can and cannot be against. 
and tell you how you can and cannot interpret the Bible. Why? Because the issues of this nation are not visible. The issues of this nation are not carnal. They are supernatural. Violence is supernatural. Abuse is a supernatural spirit of abuse. The Bible says in John chapter 10 that the devil came to steal, to hurt, and to destroy. He came to steal, hurt, and destroy. The last time I checked, the devil's not a politician. He's not a man. He is a spirit being. So if those are his three goals in his entire existence, then anything that has to do with those three things, stealing, stealing, hurting, killing, destroying, all of that is spiritual. All of those are spiritual principalities that govern over a city. You see all these cities in this nation that people can't prosper, people can't start businesses, people can't live well. There's nothing but violence and crime and killing. It's not a race thing. It's not a black on white or black on black thing. It is a devil thing. It is a spirit thing. But you are the church of Jesus Christ. You can't be part of the problem. You need to be part of the solution you have the weapons because the weapons of your warfare are spiritual you have the weapons the church has the weapons I'm tired of the church church folk Christian people they look at politics and they try to adjust themselves to the politics well, let me adjust myself to the Democrat view on taxes and the Republican view on health care. And I just don't know where to go from here. No, you need to understand that your role is spiritual. Oh, my God. Your role is spiritual from now till Tuesday. Your role is spiritual. You should be praying in your mind at your job. You should be at home praying. Don't be caught up in CNN and MSNBC and all that garbage. Your goal, your, your role is spiritual. Put the person, God, who you're going to use to bring to light all of the immorality in this nation. Put the person who's not going to hide behind corruption. Your role is spiritual. Because we are a spiritual force. We may worship in the physical. We may praise God. We may live in the natural. But Jesus says, you are not of this world. Though you may be in the world, you are not of the world. You're not of the world, which means that you are, you, you are cut from a different cloth. You have an ability that nobody else has. You can be in your job and the, and, the, and the spiritual gift of discernment or word of knowledge can come over you. And you can tell that immoral, evil boss that you can't stand. Listen, I know I can't stand you. And I know that you took my days off. And I know that I was up for that raise and you blocked it. But I have a word from the Lord for you. You can be at a family gathering and, and be amongst cousins and uncles and, and, and people who you care about and you love. And the Lord can use you, right, because you are spiritual. Your role is spiritual. So your weapons are stronger. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all of the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting flesh and blood. We are fighting evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Stand your ground. The Bible says, James chapter 4, submit to God. 
Resist the devil and he will flee. Submission to God is the faith part. Resist the devil is the attack part. And he will flee is the victory part. See, there's three, there's three aspects to his attack. Your faith, his attack, your victory. That's it. But if you go outside of those guidelines, it's not going to be the same result. So Satan, number three is Satan's attacks. The third thing I want you to know about when the devil attacks, this is the last thing, is that his attacks are used by God to advance his purpose in your life. Romans 8.28, and we know that in God all things work for good for those who love them, for, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. When the devil asked God to sift Simon as wheat, it was him expressing his desire to cause great pain, great isolation, great frustration to really attack the core of his faith. And having recognized Peter's lack of faith on numerous occasions and his propensity to think in the flesh, Satan made him a target. He made him a target because he already saw how his faith was. He saw the propensity that he had. He saw the habit, the bad habit that he had to be inconsistent with his faith. So, but, but Jesus is seeing the same thing. So Jesus reveals to Peter the request that the enemy made to attack him, but tells him in a manner that Peter is going to understand the severity of the attack. See, because a lot of times somebody will come and say, oh, you're going to go through a great attack, but God is going to be with you. One of those broad, vague type of words. Like, Amen. Hallelujah. But I know that because the Bible tells me. So, but Jesus gives him a specific comparison. And this is, where I, this is what I want to teach you today. Jesus says, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Now, even though Peter was a fisherman, I'm pretty sure that he had an understanding of how wheat was harvested. Because wheat was the most popular grain harvested. And it still is the most popular grain harvested. Be because of its seed, its seed is rich in nutrients. So... He had an understanding. So when he hears Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, Peter's like, oh, snap, this is, this is serious. Alex, he's like, yo, this is real. This is serious. Sift me. Did you say sift? Sift me like wheat. For those of you that don't know, when, when wheat is harvested, it grows with the chaff, and the chaff can destroy the wheat if it's not separated. So there's two parts of the process to separate it. The first one is to sift it. And when they sifted it back in these times, they would put the, the wheat on a rough, rocky surface, and they would beat the heck out of it. They would beat the, they would beat the wheat. They would beat it with I don't know what, but they would beat it until they loosened the chaff. They loosened the chaff from the wheat. So when Peter hears that term, he's like, man, he is going to beat me. He's going to, he, he, I'm going to be isolated. I'm going to be jacked up. I'm going to be messed up. But Jesus will never give you the clue that you're going to be attacked by the enemy without telling you 
what he's going to do for you. So Jesus says, but I have already prayed. I have already prayed, Simon, so that your faith will not fail. So as long as your faith doesn't fail, even though you're going to be sifted, you see, now Jesus is never going to say, I'm going to prevent the attack. No, Jesus already gave permission. So there is something about the attack itself that Jesus is going to use. Hallelujah. There is something about that sifting that God is going to use to make you better. That God is going to use to bless you. That God is going to use to lift you up. There is something about that isolation. There is something about that beat down. There is something about that difficulty. There is something about that marital problem. There is something about that financial problem. There is something about that sickness that God is going to use to bless you. So here it is. I told you that it has a two, there's two, there's two things that need to happen for that chaff to be separated. The first one is sifting. And I have already prayed for you that your faith won't fail and that when you bounce back, when you return, He's guaranteeing a bounce back. He's guaranteeing restoration. He's guaranteeing that he's going to be better. He's guaranteeing when you come back, strengthen your brothers. Because he's not only going to attack you, he's going to attack your brothers. But because of your faith in the attack, you're going to bounce back and be able to strengthen their faith. But here it is. The second part that the wheat needs to go through to get the chaff totally separated from the wheat is that it needs to be winnowed. So it needs to be sifted and it needs to be winnowed. God created the wheat so he knows that this is the process. So when the devil comes to ask him, can I attack Satan? But I mean, can I attack Simon? But can I sift him? I'm going to sift him. God is going to say, you know what? That's totally fine. Go ahead, sift him. Because you are just starting the process that I'm going to finish. Because when he was sifted, he was sifted. And that was the first part of the wheat being separated from the chaff. But the second part is winnowing. When the farmer comes and he takes the wheat, he throws it on a sheet and puts the sheet up in the air. And the wind comes and... It blows the chaff, and the wheat is now separated from the chaff. And that is what happened on Acts, in Acts chapter 2. So Jesus is telling him, Simon, you're going to be sifted. The devil is going to attack you. The devil is going to beat you down. The devil is going to try to break you. But don't worry. I have already asked God so that your faith won't fail. So the key is your faith. If your faith can grow in this year, 2020, where there was a, a pandemic, where people lost their jobs, where people lost their homes, where people's marriages were shaken, where we don't know what to do with our kids. We don't know if they're going to get sick or not. We don't know if they're going to have school or not. We don't know if they're going to have to get educated at home. What does that mean for my job? What does that mean for my schedule? If you were able to grow this year, if your faith was able to rise this year, if your worship was able to rise this year, if your commitment to God was able to grow this year, then I can't wait to see you in 21. I can't wait to see what God is going to do with Central Assembly in 21. Because he's using it. God is using it to better you. He's using it to bless you. And he's using it to take you to the part of the process where you can experience the unleashing of Holy Spirit in your life. 
Hallelujah. Because the winnowing of the wheat, the winnowing of the wheat is a type of what happened in Pentecost. They were thrown up the upper room and the, the wind came and blew. It was a strong wind and it blew in that place. And the chaff, the chaff is your bad habits. The chaff is the sin that you can't get rid of. The chaff is the way you speak that no one likes. The chaff is the things that are keeping you bound and down. But God says there's an unleashing of Holy Spirit that I'm going to release over your life and I'm going to separate you. I'm going to separate you from everything that the enemy is trying to keep a hold on and keep you down. So you need to you need to be ready for your bounce back. Because he's not done. God is not done. You might be in the middle of an attack and you're feeling down and you're feeling frustrated and you're feeling like God is not with you. But he's saying, no, I already prayed for your bounce back. I already declared and decreed your bounce back. And when you bounce back, you're going to be able to go to your brothers that are going through depression, your brothers that are going through anxiety, your brothers that are going through divorce, your brothers that are going through a struggle with immorality. When you bounce back, Simon, hallelujah, when you bounce back, Simon, my God, when you bounce back, you're not going to be the same person. When you bounce back, you're not going to be the same worshiper. You're not going to be the same leader. You're not going to be the same pastor. You're not going to be the same. You're not going to be the same preacher. Why? Because after you have been sifted, the only thing left that can happen in that process is for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the attack of the enemy, the sifting, the beatdown is getting you ready for your breakthrough. Glory to Jesus. So that's the third thing. Every attack of the enemy, God uses it to advance his purpose in your life. My God. Essentially rendering the devil a servant. Because God needs to do that anyway. He needs to process you. He needs to prepare you because he wants you to grow. People want to be blessed, but they don't want to be better. God wants you to be both. He wants you to be blessed, and he wants you to be better. He wants you to be blessed, and he wants you to be better. He wants you to be better than you were last year. He wants you to be better than you were five years ago. He wants next year to be better than this year. He is a God of glory to glory, victory to victory, triumph to triumph, faith to faith. There is no going back. There is no mediocrity. There is no stagnation. There's only moving forward. There's only moving forward. You might be under a sifting attack. But that just means that you're being prepared for a greater move of Holy Spirit in your life. But your faith needs to rise. Why? Because your faith is your victory. And I leave you with this verse, 1 John 5, 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Our faith. If you're going through it, it's because you can make it through it. So I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads. Father, in Jesus' name, I have preached your word plainly how you have given it to me, how you gave it to me this morning, God. I preached it, and now I'm asking you, God, to penetrate it. I preached it, 
you penetrate it. You make it, you make it uh, give fruit in every single one of the lives that have received it today in Jesus' name. Father, I come against every attack of the enemy that is trying to destroy people's faith that is trying to destroy people's hope, I pray in Jesus' mighty name that faith will rise coming out of this service. That people's faith will rise coming out of this service. That people's peace will rise coming out of this service. In Jesus' mighty name, this word will give forth fruit. And we will be victorious because of it. I declare victory. And I declare that your Holy Spirit, Lord, blows over every single one of us in Jesus' name. Come on, give him a shout of praise. Give him a shout of praise. Right there where you are, if there is anybody here who understands that their life still has that door open because of sin. And the enemy has access to controlling you to possessing your life, and you want to give that sin away today, I want to pray for you. Would you raise your hand? Anyone here? Praise the Lord. How many can say amen? I urge you to go out and vote. Ask the Lord. Tell the Lord to give you guidance. But fulfill your responsibility as an American and go out and vote and pray for our nation. No matter what the outcome is, we are the spiritual being that has the tools and the weapons. It's time that we use them. God bless you. God keep you. I'm so happy that we're entering into a season of movement of Holy Spirit. Keep praying for your pastors. They're getting some rest because we're going to finish the year off strong. You are dismissed in Jesus' name. Be blessed. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website www.centralfamily.net or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the Lehigh Valley but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.